The UEFA Champions League round of 16 begins its second leg this week and you can watch all of the UEFA Champions League action live on Paramount Plus as the top clubs in the world go head to head trying to secure a spot in the coveted quarterfinals. The stakes are higher than ever as soccer's brightest stars continue their hunt for history. I like some alliteration in my reads and don't forget to catch the best pre, half and post-match coverage in the game with UEFA Champions League today. Get incredible analysis from your host Kate Abdo and analyst Thierry Henry, Jamie Carragher and Micah Richards live from the studio every UEFA Champions League match, every single game along with the Europa League and the Europa Conference League, my favourite available live and on demand on Paramount Plus new subscribers get a one month free trial now by going to ParamountPlus.com slash M-I-B and use the promo code Advance. Join Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app with more than 3 million members. You can win up to 25 times your money by picking more or less. Download the app today and use code MIB for a first deposit match of up to $100. New game day shirt, boom, cash back. Food for the tailgate, boom, cash back. Even buying a round can earn you cash. Cashback. When you use your debit card with Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cashback on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W. But you know what's a guaranteed win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a real game changer. Check out transaction, eligibility, and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank. Member FDIC. You're listening to the Men in Blazers Media Network, Suboptimal Radio. Gegen Enzo Fernandes, tempotechnisch, klar bevorteilt, Adeyemi nimmt genau die Schnellstraße, Karim Adeyemi! 63. und er hört ja selbst. This is Rog, and you're listening to European Nights, presented by Paramount Plus, the show that loves cross-talking commentary it can't really understand. And for the handful of you who don't sprechen sie Deutsch, let me just say, I'm still buzzing off that sweet, sweet nectar that was Kareem Adeyemi's winner against Chelsea in the opening game in Dortmund. The return leg of that fixture on the cards for this week. We will dissect it all with the help of my co-host and football brain extraordinaire, gastronome, pugilist, orator, chief soccer correspondent of your New York Times, Mr. Rory Smith. I feel like my pugilism credentials are, are scant at best, to be perfectly honest. I, I'm, I wouldn't describe myself as a noted pugilist. I just love that word, though. It's one I want to use more and more in 2023. But Rory, that singular goal that we heard up top, Currently, the difference between Dortmund and Chelsea, the Germans coming to Stamford Bridge, dressed this morning, has peaky blinders. I crap you not. The game, Tuesday, 3 p.m. Eastern on Paramount+. Plus. They hold a 1-0 lead on aggregate and goals have been hard to come by for Chelsea in 2023. 
Just five scored in 12 games, all competitions, yielding two lonely wins since January. And while the XG numbers have been slowly trending upwards, it's not much for poor Graham Potter to hang his well-rung hat on. Rory, we're on the record as GP sympathists. Back in September, when we spoke about him, you said... And it will be interesting to see at Chelsea whether there is a kind of lag between his ideas being presented and being sort of introduced to the players and them really taking hold. It does feel as though it wasn't a quick process. And despite the nervy win against Leeds at the weekend, Gent still looking glum, sallow-cheeked, unkempt of beard on that sideline. Rory, if the unthinkable happens this week and Chelsea do not make it out of this game against Dortmund alive, the season's effectively over. And there's two schools on Thor and Graham Potter. And they're going to be bound for collision, not just in the media, but from the Chelsea owners briefing the press. One voice is saying, tranquilo, let Graham hold on to his job. It could be a blessing. He'll have time to work on his ideas about the pressure hanging over his head. Arteta had time. Klopp had time. GP deserves it too. And the other saying, this season, as Joe Bluth would say has been a terrible mistake. The club feels directionless, the fan base descending towards toxicity. Where do you stand? More time? Stand by your man, Tammy Wynette style, Todd Burley? Or is it a case of wrong time, wrong manager, wrong club? I mean, generally, my philosophy in life is is Wynette-centric. So, <laughs> the, What would TW uh, do? Yeah, what would WWTWD? <laughs> the the thing is that we kind of think it's best practice to to allow a manager time, don't we? That's generally accepted as as received wisdom that you've got to give give everybody time and they'll turn into into Alex Ferguson. That's kind of the logic. There are moments though where giving a manager more time is is effectively throwing good money after bad. I think. And oh, Todd Burley loves doing that. You just sold him. That away. is that is exact. That is Todd Burley's whole business plan. So <laughs> the um, no. So I'm not sure. I. I like Potter. I think he's an excellent coach. I think it'd be a real shame if he was to to find his Chelsea reign kind of limited to six or seven months. I think that would be really unfortunate for him, not particularly well-deserved. Well but at the same time, it is hard at the current vantage point to see it working. I'm not quite sure how he turns it around, not least as there's a section of the fan base that I think have decided they don't really like him, no matter how natty the turtlenecks that he wears are. Oh, Christian Pulisic back to save the day? Question mark. Watch Chelsea take on Dortmund Tuesday, 3pm Eastern on Paramount+. Plus. It is a stuffed week. Final leg of the round of 16 in the Champions League. And the first legs of that round of 16 in the Europa and arguably the more important Conference League. Watch it all live, on demand, exclusively. On Paramount Plus, new subscribers can get a one-month free trial now by going to paramountplus.com slash M-I-B. Use the promo code ADVANCE. Now to the football. And that was the sound of one of Europe's finest stadiums stirring into full-voice life, Benfica's Estadio da Luz, 
a wonder of modern stadium construction, housing an incredible 65,000 fans within its curved tiers, crowned by rippling arches bathed in soft light, filtering through the polycarbonate roofing, recasting the Lisbon sun over the seats drenched in the red of sporting Lisboa e Benfica. And when packed, and it always is, the Luz is a beating heart, roaring, thundering behind its team. Benfica, founded in 1904, one of the big three in Portugal, the three clubs who've never been relegated from the top flight alongside Sporting and Porto. Benfica are a massive, massive institution now and always one of Europe's giants. As the hymn you heard, Sir Benfiquista says, to be a Benfiquista is to have an immense flame in your soul. Oh, God, bite your arm off for an immense flame in my soul. At its best, Benfica's been a club of Portuguese heroes, the last club in Portugal to admit foreign players. Its prowess inextricably linked to that of the nation. Club's most successful periods coincided with two icons of Portuguese football. First, Eusebio, that two-footed force of nature, prolific goalscorer who won the Ballon d'Or as a Benfiquista in 1965 after collecting the club's second European Cup in 1962. Subsequently drove the Portuguese national team to a third place finish in the 1966 World Cup. Then became Benfica manager in the 1990s. The legend goes Eusebio handpicked Rui Costa from the academy, a local Lisbon boy who became central to Portugal's golden generation alongside Figo, Deco and a teenage sensation Ronaldo yet to discover. Dracon Noir Costa was a virtuoso for Benfica, gliding blur of immaculate touches, energising the club to the 1994 title. Muito but what the drenched melodrama of the hymn also speaks to is the aspect of Benfica that's often made it a soap opera of shady backroom deals, boardroom politics. On the heels of lifting his boyhood club to the 1994 title, Rui Costa, then aged just 22, departed to Fiorentina in Italy, then a massive team in Europe's juggernaut league of the era. The prodigal son reduced to sheer mate weight for the massive debt the club had fallen into. What followed was a period of decline marked by an 11-year league title drought overseen by controversial president João Valeia Azevedo. And Rory, can you tell us a little bit about the tenuous position in which Benfica found itself at the turn of the century? The hurt of losing Rui Costa, the transition to a publicly traded company to further relieve the debt they'd accrued? The thing with Benfica is that they are, as you say, one of Portugal's big three, but they're also effectively a political institution. They have a massive kind of power base within Portugal. They are a... It's probably too much to say they can swing elections, but they're a massive public body in, a, in what is essentially a very small country, Portugal. I think four million people or something. It's not it's not a vast place, Portugal. And you have this huge club that that is one of the big three, but is certainly bigger than Sporting and, and on, on a par with Porto, plus it's in the capital. And that increases the pressure to compete, to try and, to try and maintain a certain status within Portuguese football, within um, 
within European football and it attracts people who are not necessarily there because they've got some grand sporting plan but more because they want the status that comes with being um, with being part of Benfica, with being the guy who runs Benfica. It's one of the most powerful positions in Portugal effectively and amazingly those people aren't always that nice. Um it's staggering, I know. It's really hard to believe. So I think they 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 had to. If you were cod psychoanalyzing it, you'd maybe say that they there was a point around the turn of the millennium where Benfica had to accept that the old world that they once knew had gone, and they had to find a way to function in the new world. And that involved becoming a publicly traded company, but it also maybe encouraged them to look for homegrown players, more Ruby Costas, uh, rather than signing aging and quite expensive stars from elsewhere, which was what they'd done in, certainly in the early 1990s. Uh, and not always stars. They took some fairly terrible players from England uh, in the early, in the sort of 92-93 period. Benfica was effectively what Galatasaray would become 10 or 15 years later. It was where you went to get a big payday. Um, and in this, the first decade of the 21st century, Benfica turned their identity on its head, really. They accepted that they were a place that players came from rather than went to. They invested heavily in their academy, which had always been productive, had always had an ability to churn out stars, but it became essentially an industrial production line. Um, and increasingly in recent years, they have specialised in finding players from South America. Brazil, to an extent, there's obviously a language connection between Benfica and Brazil, between Portugal and Brazil, but also Argentina. I remember going to the lose in, I'm going to say 2009, Rog, to watch the Mighty Toffees play in the Europa League. This happened, dear listeners. This is not sci-fi. This really happened. Everton shared a pitch with Benfica and got dismantled um, in one of the most kind of compelling displays of attacking football I've ever seen. Benfica was superb that <laughs> night. But you had on that pitch uh, David Luiz playing as a defensive midfielder. You had Angel Di Maria as, a, I think, a 20-year-old winger. I think Javier Saviola was there. Um, they had all these players, this wonderful attacking team that was testament really to what Benfica had started doing, which was becoming the first stop-off for players coming out of South America or players coming out of Portugal before they went on to the, the major leads of Western Europe. All that talent repelled with ease by the true great Tony Hibbert. Oh, but talking about British greats, Graham Souness, Scottish firebrand player, turned combustible coach, turned even more feisty broadcaster, a famously agreeable opinion, had a brief stint as Benfica manager in those years. He was dismissed by Valle Azevedo in 1999 after just a year and a half in the job. He came out firing at the president, saying that he lies when he looks you in the eyes. Be careful, this man is dangerous. And just over a year later, Valle Azevedo was arrested. Who would have thought? Charged with embezzling money from the transfer of Sunes's Russian goalkeeper, Sergei Avchilikov, used the London cash to buy a yacht, which was named, and I crap you not, dear listeners, the lucky me. What embezzler would call a, would would call their yacht lucky me just to throw, try and throw investors off the trail? But in terms of infrastructure, it's got to be said, Valeria Vazavedo left behind several valuable tools for his eventual successor, Louis Philippe Vieira, to try and leverage. Foremost among them, the development of the Benfica campus, the club's sprawling youth academy, opened in 2006. And Louis Philippe Vieira immediately zeroed in on that incredible centre, made it the centrepiece of his strategy 
to propel the club back to the top. This campus boasts nine fields, both natural and artificial. There's lodging for youth team members, physiotherapy rooms, three gymnasiums, and the famed Benfica Lab, state-of-the-art sports science and data facility that presented such a revolutionary link between the technical and medical staff. The My Everton tried to poach its architect, Bruno Mendes, in 2018, only for their project to crumble within 18 months due to the lack of ideological alignment. Who would have thought? But back to Benfica, whose youth production has been a marvel in the 20th and 21st century. The Benfica B squad bridges the gap between academy and first team, overflowing with players schooled in technical acumen and life skills. First league title following the inauguration of the Benfica campus came in 2010. That fresh from the academy lineup, you talked about some of them. Angel Di Maria, Fabio Contrao, David Luiz, and within a season of the title, first two were sold to Real Madrid for close to $75 million. David Luiz arrived at Chelsea for $27 million. And Benfica, it's known as a place of opportunity for youngsters, for Lisbon locals and far-off talents alike. Rory, what makes it unique? What differentiates what goes on at the Benfica campus from the likes of Ajax's Datu Kobst or Barcelona's La Masia? And why is it so bloody profitable? To be honest, probably not that much. I, I, I'm always slightly reticent to say that, that any of these clubs has got a magic formula. I think what they all have, and Barcelona's maybe has, has dried up a little bit recently... For, di- for different reasons. But certainly what Ajax and Benfica have is they will have loads of talented coaches. They have state-of-the-art equipment. They have access to data. They they have kind of um, uh, an ability to trawl for talent from a young age. They you know they, they, they obviously have an eye for a player and they, they know how to develop them. And all of that stuff is real and it's important and they all deserve credit for it. But I think ultimately what they have is a pathway. And that's, you mentioned about Everton. You, you can hire the guy who built the Benfica Academy, just as you can hire the guy who runs the Tecoms in Amsterdam. But if your first team is filled with 32-year-olds because you're terrified of giving kids a chance, then you will never produce a player. Whereas what Benfica have done, and it, as you say, the B team, to an extent, is the, is the bridge. Benfica have kind of made it their business to allow those players to flourish, whether they are signed as 19 or 20 year olds from South America or whether they are you know homegrown kids who've come through Seychelles that there is a an awareness and a desire to promote those kids those young players as quickly as possible not not too fast you don't want 14 year olds in the first team but they're not looking <laughs> to block pathways by and this is the this is the fundamental change from I guess the early 90s is that you're not blocking pathways by thinking do you know what? we just need a 30 year old to sit there for a little bit because that right back's not ready Benfica back themselves to make the right back ready at 18 or 19 so that they can slot into the team when they're required. And they have, for the time being, and there's certainly no sign of, of, as is the case with Ajax, there's no sign of it drying up anytime soon. Benfica have got this remarkable production line quality where, you know, they sell Enzo Fernandez in January and partly because of necessity, but they don't replace him because they think, well, we've got the players here already. There will be there will be somebody else within the squad who can, you know, fulfil that position for the time being or who might flourish in his absence. And I think Benfica, like Ajax, like one or two others around Europe, that is the secret. And it's not really a secret. It's not hard. It's a trout fault. Yeah, but you've got to let the trout swim. And the problem that other clubs have, particularly in England is no one's prepared to let them swim. So you get all these staff being drafted in by these super clubs 
but no one ever lets the players play. The chances are, if you've got a 17, 18 year old who you think is really good, the chances are they will be good enough if you if you give them a chance. What Benfica do is give players a chance. Football playing trout to a listening. Oh, Benfica is your spot. But within the Benfica faithful, there is a growing feeling that there could be more. I mean, this is a team who are so passionately followed. A true European force. But if only their players could stop getting picked off and, and the money was invested more ambitiously into more than boats named lucky me. But this is the risk of getting into bed with a super agent. There's more to this story because that's exactly what Benfica have done with Jorge Mendes, Portugal's foremost broker of football power, a gent whose own life story is quite fantastical. He essentially grew his business from humble origins. He had a beach bar and a DJ gig, and he turned it somehow into one of the global games super agency named Guesty Foot. And his original strategy in 1996 was to be a near ubiquitous presence amongst small and medium-sized clubs across Portugal, establishing systems of power over their youth products, brokering deals, contracts and relationships as his players then moved abroad. He's the reason that the fees for Benfica players have climbed year on year to astronomical levels. A man who serves as a gatekeeper of Portuguese transfers. Of Benfica's 10 highest grossing transfers, no less than eight were direct Mendes clients. And you can bet almost any high value deal coming or going from Portugal is mediated by Mendes for a cut. There'll be more than one lucky me yacht, believe me, in that story. But Rory, untangle this system for us, because Jorge Mendes, he's undeniably an important part of the ecosystem of Portuguese talent, really the puppet master. His track record has grown the demand from buyers, the fees he generates, help grow the supply for sellers. But the talent siphon that he creates also prevents these players from reaching their true potential in Portugal. He essentially uses Benfica as a staging ground, a means to his agency's own ends, as he does, I should say, with other clubs like Braga and Wolverhampton Wanderers in the Premier League. Is there a balance to be found for Benfica with him in the picture? Yeah, I guess what, what Mendes would say, and and certainly to be honest, I think what people, what people at Benfica would say, I was speaking to someone at Benfica today, and their, their view is that the economic reality is that that they're going to have to sell players. That the the players will not will not be be persuaded to stay at Benfica because they can't pay the wages that are on offer in England and you know with, with the the Spanish bid two and maybe one or two others PSG maybe um, in fact PSG definitely uh, they they are not traditionally expected to win the Champions League. Although I would suggest that actually if your aim in life is to play Champions League football, which most footballers say that it is. You might as well do it for Benfica because they're there every single year, um, and if you stay, you'll get further in the competition. Um, so they would, I think, they would say, look, even without Mendes, the likelihood is the reality would be the same that the players would leave, and you know, you you get to twenty twenty one, and Benfica would cash in. The difference, I think, is that it's Mendes who controls the timing. He often controls the um, the direction of of travel of the transfer. He brings in the clients. He will cherry pick where the players are going in terms of their personal career progression, which I think is is the mark of a good agent, to be perfectly honest. I don't think there's anything bad, anything morally wrong with doing that. Um, and it's the control that he has over the entire market. Because as you say, it's not just Benfica. 
it's most clubs in Portugal, <laughs> most deals in Portugal will involve Mendes at some in, in some way. He is the point of contact. He dominates that market. So you wonder, I guess, you know, are Benfica selling a player for a certain price because Sporting want to sell a player for a slightly higher price? You know, that the, there are issues and questions of the integrity, I guess, that, that surround having an agent that powerful. I'm not convinced that Mendes is... Other outposts outside Portugal have been particularly successful. Wolves, he's done okay, I guess. Valencia has been an, an unmitigated disaster. That that is, was the original kind of Mendes project club, and it's not worked in the slightest. Um, but in terms of Benfica and Braga, Porto to an extent, and Sporting, I think there was some uneasiness about using Mendes for some time. They seem to argue with each other quite a lot. There is, um, there's no no denying that he has helped it's an uneasy thing to maybe to accept, but he's probably helped develop that pathway as much as anybody that having an agent who can do those deals is probably quite important. And the thing that Benfica would, would accept and that they, they kind of know on an integral level is that the players will go. Benfica never really stand in anybody's way. They don't want to get a reputation for being the club that blocks the pathway. So I guess having the guy who probably opens more doors than anybody else in football on your side that's maybe a deal with the devil that's worth doing. Where there's no conflict, there's no interest, and Benfica's past, present and future, no doubt lie in that academy. Currently emerging gem of the squad is a 21-year-old striker, Goncalo Ramos, whose determined style sniffing out chances in the box won Benfica the penalty for their opener in the first leg against Club Bruges, bringing home that 2-0 lead on aggregate to defend at the Estadio da Luz this Tuesday, 3pm Eastern time on Paramount+. Plus. Quick prediction for this one, Rory? Yeah, I think Benfica will get through. And, I, and what, what I should say is that I find that Benfica, there is an inherent sorrow to Benfica's story. And they get a lot of praise for the work they do at Seychelles, as they should. They get a lot of praise for the work they do in the transfer market. But I do think that this year, just the Champions League looks quite open. A lot of the big, the big teams aren't quite as reliable as maybe they should be. Obviously, Real Madrid will win it in the end, but um, it is quite an open field. It's not impossible that Benfica could have made the final this season if they'd not had to sell their best midfielder on the on January the 31st. And for all that the clubs say that, you know, that basically that they don't bat an eye, they just move on, you know, like a shark forever swimming forward. I, I do find that quite sad that it felt as though maybe Enzo could have done a year at Benfica, the club that had taken him from River Plate in Argentina, that had given him his chance in Europe, that they only get six months and then they have to kind of bow to economic reality. does feel sad because, you know, Benfica made the quarters last season. They should make them again. They ran Liverpool really close a year ago in the quarterfinals. If they get a kindly draw, there is no reason that Benfica can't make a semi-final. And once you're in a semi-final then who knows what happens. And that would have been a lot more feasible with Enzo Fernandez than it is without him. I've got a shock 2-0 down for Club Bruges to take this one to extra time, where Scott Parker's side will unfortunately fall to a João Mario penalty. Scotty P, that man simply too quintessentially English for anything good ever to happen to him. We're back with more Champions League after a quick break. UEFA Champions League on Paramount Plus enters the knockout phase. Take my soul and I'll take the crown. Where 
Messi and Mbappe form a show-stopping dream team. Unstoppable in Paris. America's shooting stars shine bright. What a hit! And all the top clubs from Manchester to Munich are on the hunt for some hardware. Oh, that is beautiful. Because on this stage, winning is all that matters. Stream every UEFA Champions League match live exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Men and Blazers, we like to believe more is more when it comes to football. Less Everton are playing, in which case, oh, less is always more. But one thing you can do to enhance even the Everton watching experience is to visit the GFOPs at Prize Picks. They're America's number one fantasy sports app. Test your skills on Prize Picks this season. It's the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. If you've got the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Tappity taps, mostly just picking what categories you want Everton players to disappoint you in and smashing the less. Thing I love about Price Picks is, is how simple it is to use. They're now offering Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account this soccer season. No more ferreting around in your wallet for that security code on your credit card that the computer never saves. Download the app today. Use code MIB for a first deposit match of up to $100. That's promo code MIB. Price picks. Pick more. Pick less. It's that easy. It's Rog here to tell you about a product that I simply adore. It's been a long-time staple in the Bennett refrigerator. Stoke cold brew coffee always bold always smooth yes that is the very same stoke as in the mighty wrexham fortress known as the stoke kairas or the stoke Racecourse, wrexham afc's home they support it they support football which is just one great reason to love this coffee it is my go-to enjoy during the football calendar essentially the opposite of Everton. And you can check out their full lineup of 48 ounce cold brew products, something for everybody from light to dark roast to seasonal favourites in a refrigerated multi serve format. I tell you this, as someone whose blood type is now officially Stoke Espresso Blend, have the coffee house experience in the comfort of your own home and do it now. Stoke Cold Brew Coffee and be sure to follow Wrexham AFC. Big love to all at Stoke. Courage. And if you didn't know that Bayern Munich unleashed the can-can over loudspeakers after goals, now you do. This week, Bayern defend a narrow 1-0 aggregate lead over Paris Saint-Germain via a Kingsley clutch time Komen goal at the Parc de Princes three weeks ago. And our second subject of conversation today, the unforeseen man who's been bringing the goals for Bayern Munich this season, all hail Eric Maxim, Chupamoting, truly a fascinating gent, 33-year-old German-born Cameroonian, closing in on signing a year extension with Bayern, which will double his wages. A neat coda to a career that's been one of the unique peculiarities of modern European football. And Rory, you write a lovely piece, always a tribute, detailing the winding road through professional football that Chupo has walked since making a Cena debut for his hometown club, Hamburger SV, back in 2007. His story that, up till 2018, was really representative of a middling experience of a career journeyman forward in Europe in broad strokes, 
goes a little bit like this. Four years at Hamburger, including a loan to Nuremberg. The moats departed to mites. Then managed by a younger, more cherubic, less combed over Thomas Tuchel. Scored 20 goals over three years. And that drew the attention of beautiful, beautiful Schalke, who signed Eric to lead their line between 2014 and 2017. A steady notoriety, let's say, in Germany was built up. But his career then took an unexpected stop. A season in Stoke. Is there any other kind of stop in Stoke than a quick one? Which brings us to 2018, when after just five goals in 32 appearances for the Potters, I mean, these numbers were not eye-popping in any stretch, but in came PSG's Thomas Tuchel. Oh, welcome back. Keen to reunite with the Cameroonian to make up depth beneath Edison Cavani. Rory, at a glance, Eric Maxim Chupamoting's career appears to be divided into two distinct phases, one of middling grind and one of glamour and glory. But as you're right, both halves are unified by a monk-like patience, a gent who is willing to wait for minutes, yes, but also waiting to be recognised tactically as more than just the big man up top. Can you tell us more about how you see that quality framing his career? To English eyes, there is something inherently not comic about Chupamotin, but he is always the guy who played for Stoke. You see Eric Maxim Chupamotin scoring, <laughs> scoring a Champions League quarterfinal for Paris Saint-Germain, and you think, that's the guy who played for Stoke. And he would say, and he's a he's a lovely man, Chupamotin, speaks perfect English, really kind of engaging and intelligent and interesting. Um, he would he would say that actually he wasn't as bad at Stoke as, as everyone thinks, that he scored five goals, but he made five goals. It was a struggling team. That's not a bad return. I think there's an argument that that's a that that's a little bit of justifiable self praise, and very clearly the the thing that marks the difference is that Thomas Tuchel ends up at PSG in need of a backup striker, someone to cover, um, and maybe provide a slightly um, a slightly different option to some of the 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 less physical um, strikers that he that he has. I think that's slightly unfair on Chupamotin. I think he is actually quite a Technically gifted, he's a very smart player. Um, he's deeply versatile. I spoke to the, the scout who recommended him to Stoke, who said that look, he kind of he kind of has everything. He's physically strong. He's good in the air, but he's got a surprising change of pace. He can he can accelerate off the off a defender's shoulder. He can run in behind, but also he can drop deep and and play off both feet, keep the ball, do the sort of technical hold up play that you need a striker to do. He is basically a complete centre forward. And I think the thing that that apart from you know, the relative serendipity of Tuchel being in place at PSG, a manager who knew him and trusted him. I think the other thing that's happened to Chupamotin is the game has maybe drifted slightly more towards him, that there aren't many out-and-out number nines now. There's not many players who have that skill set, that kind of package of abilities, that versatility, the technical ability, the speed and the strength. There's there's not a huge amount of them. So having someone like Chupamotin is actually quite precious. And obviously last season when Robert Lewandowski leaves Bayern, there'd have been loads of Bayern fans thinking, we need to go and sign Harry Kane or you know, some other elite centre-forward. But I think Bayern looked at it and thought, well, do you know what? We won't always play with an out-and-out nine. These teams don't always play with an out-and-out nine now. And when we do, we have a guy who can do it as well as anybody and doesn't cost 150 million euros to sign. 
And I think that that is testament to Chupamotin's ability and its reward for his patience and his self-belief. Does he at no point has thought, I am lucky to be here. He believes that he belongs there. And to be honest, you look at what he's done for PSG and for Bayern, it's hard to disagree. Essentially, to paraphrase you, Rory, say trying to judge Brendan Fraser purely by his masterful work in Encino, man. And we do have to talk about what Chupamoting has achieved at Bayern who picked him up ahead of the 2021 season on a free transfer, as you say, merely meant to be back up to Lewandowski in that first season back in Germany. And he had to watch Robert Lewandowski break the Bundesliga goal record that year with 41, dutifully watched from the bench. I think he started maybe eight games in that spell. In the following season, defined by two bouts of coronavirus that limited him just one start in the league. There were scarce moments in the spotlight for Chupamoti in those first two seasons. No one saw this coming. There were just two goals, 2021 Champions League quarterfinals when he filled in. That was a beautiful moment. Four goals, three assists in a 12-0 DFB Pokal thrashing, a poor fourth-tier Bremer SV. We're really kind of fishing for highlights here. But this season, completely different story for Eric. Bayern decided we're not going to replace Lewandowski with a true number nine. We're going to strengthen already packed wide areas instead with Sadio Mane. And initially, the coach, Nogglesman, ran out a shifting 4-2-2-2 that depended on Thomas Muller dropping into midfield to spring one of Mane or Sané or Nabry or Koeman. But that approach hit a wall quickly. Bayern, suddenly a tailspin for them. Four without a win. Couldn't break down low blocks. So Nagelsmann shifted approach in October ahead of a match against beautiful Freiburg, whose stingy defence had dragged them above Bayern into second place. The temerity! In came Chupamoting, whose presence allowed the wingers to drift wider. And in a game that could have been a banana skin for Bayern, Chupamoting bagged a goal and an assist sent Bayern over Freiburg in an emphatic 5-0 win. And from there, it's just been incredible. Held down this spot, first consecutive league start since April 2021, scored in seven straight games, all comps. And so... Bayern find themselves in the Eric Maxim Chupamoting era. Truly a piece so elegantly simple, it's coaxed greater fluency out of an entire attack. Rory, what do you see in this? This impact that Chupamoting has had on Bayern's season and how top tactical coaches seem to have almost rediscovered directness as a solution. I think sometimes you need players who themselves are not the glitziest or most glamorous or... I don't want to say most talented. I think Chupamotin is extremely talented, but maybe he's not the kind of the star boy Wunderkind. But they make their their teammates better. They make the team make sense. And I think Chupamotin is one of those. I think he can he can play a variety of roles in a system. He can do a variety of things for a team that make that team more dangerous. And that's what Nardelsman's discovered. It it's it is there is still a degree of kind of Distraudency, I guess, to English eyes, because he's he's still the guy who played for Stoke, but at the same time, <laughs> he he makes perfect sense as the as the forward who leads by Munich's line. And look, they don't always play with him. There are games where Nardelman decides that he wants a more fluid front line, that he wants something slightly different, and that's fair enough. But Chupamotin gives them an an option. He gives them a weapon. He gives them a way of hurting teams that they don't have if he's not present. And I think that. I guess it makes sense that Nardelsman is the sort of coach, as all modern coaches are, 
who would look at it and say, look, we need to have a variety of ways of hurting opponents. We have we need to have a variety of ways of attacking. Let's have that one too. God bless Chupa Moting. Him and Harry Kane leading up Bayern Munich attack next season will be the buddy cop movie the world did not know it needed. Final quick one, Rory, on Bayern, whose form since that Freiburg game has been much more, well, Bayern-esque. Two weekends ago, a Chupa-moting opener triggered a 3-0 win over title rivals Union Berlin as Bayern solidified the position as frontrunners in one of the most exciting Bundesliga title races in ages in that there is a legit title race, a true three-horse race, Bayern, Union and Dortmund. And the Champions League is, of course, the grand prize for Bayern. But we talked about how league titles are devalued due to a lack of competition. And by that logic, this league title will be quite valuable. Do you think Bayern's approach will have changed? And what do you see happening in this PSG game? Yeah, I think the bigger change actually has probably been to PSG, who seem to have discovered a little bit of um, of rhythm and in in Kylian Mbappe suddenly have a player who looks as dangerous as anybody in Europe. He was absent for the first half of the first leg. With Mbappe fully fit, firing, scoring goals, he's now PSG's high, all-time top goal scorer, which at the age of seven or whatever he is, is remarkable. Um, the overtaking Edinson Cavani. It's incredible. That makes PSG much more threatening. But that said, Bayern are a level above. There, There is something interesting in the fact that Bayern, I think, have been hold several times in the Champions League by the fact that, to be honest, by this stage of the season, they've normally switched off domestically. And I, I, I do generally believe that that can have a negative impact on teams in the Champions League. I think they find it hard to raise their level. PSG are a great example of that. Bayern can't switch off. There is a little bit of a, bit of a gap that's, that's appeared. Union are now five points back. It looks like it's Bayern and Dortmund. They've put a little bit of space between them and, and Freiburg and Leipzig and Union. But Bayern will know that they have to keep on going domestically. There is no space for easing up. That could play into their favour, but they will need to be absolutely at the top of their game against PSG because there is not a chance that PSG will go lightly out of the Champions League at the last 16 again. That match goes down Wednesday, 3pm Eastern. Ole, sing it with me on Paramount+. Plus. Tune in for the EMCM show. We're back to go down Europa League way after a quick break. The UEFA Champions League on Paramount Plus enters the knockout phase. Where Messi and Mbappe form a show-stopping dream team. Unstoppable in Paris. America's shooting stars shine bright. What a hit! And all the top clubs from Manchester to Munich are on the hunt for some hardware. Oh, that is beautiful! Because on this stage, winning is all that matters. Stream every UEFA Champions League match live exclusively on Paramount Plus. During Dell TechFest, score game-changing innovations with limited-time deals on select next-gen Alienware gaming tech. New dimensions await with advanced gaming systems like the Alienware M18 laptop powered by an Intel Core i9 processor featuring awe-inspiring visuals, liquid cooling, three-dimensional audio with Dolby Atmos, and impressive overclocking potential. Your dream setup, amazing prices, and free shipping await you for a limited time only at alienware.com deals. That's alienware.com slash deals. 
New Year's is now in the rearview mirror. By now, some of the excitement about our New Year's resolutions may be dying down, much like my excitement for Chelsea Football Club as we get further and further into the season. If you're looking for performance apparel that can help give you the extra push you need to keep up with your health goals, Viore has you covered. Viore creates incredibly versatile and comfortable activewear designed to look great in everyday life in and out of the gym, or in my case, on or off the tennis court. Plus, Viore is 100% off offsetting their carbon footprint by offsetting 100% of their plastic footprint from 2019 and beyond. They are utilizing better sustainable materials for their products, empowering your best active life. With Viore, you can feel good about the things you buy and also how they are made. Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash MIB. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash MIB. Not only Will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns? Trust me, go to viore.com slash MIB and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Union Berlin fans, nothing if not self-aware. That was the Ice and Union singing Always Look on the Bright Side of Life during a 5-0 loss to Bayern Leverkusen back in November. Take a lesson, Manchester United fans. Of course, that means yes, we are basking in the middle world of the Europa League. Come on in, the water's fine. The draw's been made for the round of 16 and there's a veritable cornucopia of matches and storylines that are making me test positive for a nasty case of Europa League fever. Union Berlin and Union saint Gilles reunite their quest to prove they are the best group stage Union bragging rights rivalry. And for those wondering, it's currently 1-1 on aggregate. In that all-Union clash, both teams having won their home game in the group stage. Not that it works out like that, but it should. What do you see, Rory? What grabs your attention from this draw? Yeah, I think this is where this is the stage where the Europa League gets really interesting. There's a couple of standout ties that I think Sporting Lisbon Arsenal we've we've mentioned. Man United Real Betis is great, but Roma Real Sociedad. Roma on the back of of a typical Jose Mourinho 1-0 win against Juventus, <laughs> chasing down the Champions League spots in Serie A. Against Real Sociedad, who are basically the best story of the season in Spain, that they have they they've got this largely homegrown squad. Several hugely promising players that have come through their own incredible academy that have been sitting pretty consistently now in the, in third or fourth in in La Liga most of the season. It would be a bit of a surprise now if they didn't qualify for the Champions League. It, there's a real Europa League feel to Roma against Real Sociedad that that I think makes it one of those truly special Europa League occasions. Jose Mourinho's greatest trick right now is not persuading us that the devil doesn't exist. It's actually just staying on the touchline. Yes, the special one has already been sent off three times in the Serie A this season. It's an incredible accomplishment, an incredible model of leadership. But let's wade deeper into the UEFA waters, into the Conference League. Come on in. It's less like a pool, more like a sauna, and you can't stay there 
there for too long, but it's still so bloody good for you. Following this competition's draw, got to say I'm quite taken with West Ham's opponents. Cyprus's AEK, Larnaca FC. I've actually been to a game there. They had donkeys grazing on the grass outside the stadium. Is this West Ham? <laughs> yeah, no, Larnaca. They're green. That would be amazing if West Ham had donkeys. Oh, crazy outside the London Stadium. God, how nostalgic would that be? Bologna, they're green and yellow colours, derived from the ancient city, Kition, modern Larnaca, famously the founding site of Zeno's stoic philosophy. I'm sure David Moyes is briefing his players on all of this. He loves a bit of Zeno, does David Moyes. Loves a bit of Zeno. He does. He's mad for that stoic philosophy. And he's also like, lads, hey, Bowen, don't you know that Lonica's crest sports the visage of the late General Kimion, who died defending Kitty Okay, By the way, this is a great team talk. He defied defending Kition against the Persians in 430 BC. David Moyes, this one's for free. He orders his generals not to spread word of his falling, inspiring the historical line, even in death, he was victorious. Wait, none of this is about Kimion. It's about David Moyes. Are they one and the same? Catch the Irons on tour in the ancient city of Kition, Thursday, 12.45 Eastern. By the way, I've really made myself more excited for a game than than what I just did. That one on Paramount Plus. But talk Conference League to me, Rory. What are you like? I can't really match that. (laughs) Sheriff Tiraspol against Nice. Does Nice are on good form in France? You had me at Sheriff. Obviously, Sheriff of the Pirate Club. Everyone likes the Pirate Club. Uh, But Nice, under the the wise stewardship of PR uh, juggernaut Jim Ratcliffe um, and Ineos, who are one of the bidders for Manchester United, of course. Um, He's a boyhood Manchester United and Chelsea fan. he he already owns two clubs, one of them Lausanne in Switzerland, the other one is Nice in France. To be perfectly honest, I'm not sure that his man, his stewardship of Nice is a great advert for what he'd do with United on the grounds that they are doing well at the moment, but he has owned them for a long time and they're doing well at the moment because he sacked his manager and appointed in his place Didier Degas, who's done brilliantly, but like Will Still at Reims, doesn't actually have the qualifications to be in charge of a team in France. I don't want to criticise, but that strikes me as being more happy coincidence than good planning. But Nice <laughs> are going well. They've um, they they obviously did what what all sensible clubs on the uh, the French Riviera have to do and signed a load of quite old English players and Welsh players uh, last over the last couple of years. But they seem under Didier to have found a little bit of uh, rhythm. They've signed they signed uh, Moffy from from Lorient in in January, who was one of the kind of most impressive strikers in in France outside of PSG. Um, they've got something happening at Nice. They are the sort of team that could go quite far in this competition, but first of all, they've got to go to Transnistria, and hopefully while they're there, none of their fans will try to overthrow the Moldovan government. God, come on, fans, please. We beseech you, don't try and overthrow the Moldovian government, but come on, Nice. Where there's a Ross Barkley, there's a way, said no one, ever. And finally, Rory... Oh, let's pull this together with some gastronomy, for God's sake, unless you have a recommendation in Larnaca or Kition. What's good for eating in Lisbon? Well, I don't have a recommendation in Larnaca, but I now desperately want to go. Donkeys. But I can recommend you a lovely evening's entertainment in Lisbon, Rog. Uh, my bro- Please. My brother used to live in Lisbon, and whenever we visited, uh, we would go to a Mozambican place called Cantinho do Aziz. 
which would do you lovely fish stew uh, with spices. I don't know exactly what spices, but the food was delicious. You'd sit outside on the on the cobbled streets. There'd be the, all the aromas wafting through. Lovely ambience, lovely atmosphere, lovely food. <sighs> and then we would take a stroll, probably quite a long stroll. I can't quite remember how it all adds together. From Cantino d'Oasis all the way to Nanarelli's, uh, which is... I would say, according to my official list of best gelato places in the world that I have on my phone, uh, is number eight, Nanarelli's. It's a top ten Rory Smith gelato place. That sounds quite pompous, but I do take this extremely seriously. <laughs> oh, no, it's amazing. It is incredible. Your commitment to gelato is... There's criteria. There's there's ways of... These things are... This isn't like a, a knee-jerk, fly-by-night ranking. I've thought about this at length. I would be remiss. I would get grief from listeners if I don't ask you just tell us the the structure, the criteria, because your commitment is beautiful. You need breadth of flavour. You don't want to go to a, g- a gelato place where there's there's too much or too little. Because if there's too much, it suggests they don't know what they're doing. If there's too little, often they don't have the flavours you want. There has to be a stracciatella. If there's not a stracciatella, they're not taking themselves seriously. Uh then you're looking at creaminess, you're looking at the size of portion, you're looking at the balance of the flavours, you're looking at the way it's stored, the ones that have it all piled up, not so great. You want them in little terrines, you want them in, in silver pots so that the, the temperature is maintained, maintained consistently. Um, and then there's, there's, there's the more subjective ones like feel of the place, how long I have to queue, cost. These are all things that are important. This is one from Yorkshire. Um, so no, I take this very seriously. Nanarelli's is eighth and it is magnificent ice cream. So we go there for a gelato afterwards, although that might might not sit that easily on top of a fish stew. But never mind. We're in Lisbon. Who cares? God, I just love this. I cannot wait to take you one of these days to dip in dots and find out where that will rank. No doubt in straight into the top three. Oh, America. When you mentioned the restaurant, Cantina de la Ziz, I believe Everton tried to to sign him. as He's a striker um, during the January transfer window and were, um, and were reneged even by a Lisbonian restaurant. But Mozambican food, truly a fitting full circle term because it's a lovely tribute to the iconic Eusebio, born in Mozambique's capital, Maputo, in 1942. Raw, I love your loyalty to gelato in any and every country, when I looked up Nanarelli's, i got to tell you, I saw a review that the read, worth a visit every day, winky face. And I do believe I found Rory's secret TripAdvisor burner account. That will be all from us today, dear listeners. Oh, Rory, thank you for being with us, talking us to these wonderful competitions. God bless you. Thank you. And always remember, even in death, you will be victorious, Rule. That, I, I think, is my motto for life. That and what would Tammy Wynette do? Those are the two. My, my, my mind will be, even in death, you lost. We'll be back next week, ahead of the other half of the first legs in the Champions League and the second legs of all of our Europa and Conference League friends. Watch it all on Paramount+. Plus. New subscribers, what are you waiting for? Get a one-month free trial now. Go to paramountplus.com slash MIB. Use the promo code ADVANCE. Until then, European Nightheads, courage. Or as they say in Lisboa, Coregem! Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Men in Blazers ad free on Amazon Music. 
Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com slash survey. Yo, Trey. Yeah, Kevin, what's up, man? I was just thinking what would have happened if Drew Brees didn't fail his physical with the Dolphins and ended up playing under Nick Saban in Miami. There's a good shot the Finns establish a dynasty. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick probably don't become goats, and Tuscaloosa doesn't become the center of the college football universe. That's a butterfly effect for real. Hey, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier. We're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Sorry, Marshawn, still too soon. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.